Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to The Stacks. My name is Tracy Thomas, and I am your host here. This is a podcast all about books. This week, I am joined by my guest, Chris Maddox. Chris is a TV writer and actor, and we discuss a whole lot about how reading is part of his creative process and how even though he would like to read for pleasure, he's almost always reading for work. We also discuss the importance of seeing oneself reflected back in the books that we read. And lastly, as a reminder, everything we talk about this week on the show will be in the show notes, so you don't have to write anything down. Okay, let's do it. Here I am talking with my guest, Chris Maddox. Hello and welcome to The Stacks. I am your host, Tracy Thomas, and I am joined today by a television writer and dear friend of mine, Chris Maddox. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. We're so excited that you're here. (laughs) Um, We're just going to jump right in. So Chris writes a bunch. He writes for television. Um, So I'm going to be honest, before I kind of moved to LA and started understanding how TV and film and everything worked... I didn't realize that there were rooms full of people who were doing the writing for all my favorite shows. So can you kind of explain what it means or what it is that you do as a television writer? Yeah, it is a curious thing. I mean, growing up, you just imagine, oh, there's one person writing all of these episodes of television. And it wasn't until I landed in Los Angeles that I learned there, there's this whole group of people that help create the world that you, you immerse yourself into on a weekly basis and generally there is a person at the helm called a showrunner and he or she is in charge of he's sort of the the go-between between the studio the network the writer's room production and then he or she hires a group of of you know a group of people ranging from five to maybe ten people or more to craft the world, to populate the world of the of each of each episode of the of uh, the series, um, and we sit in a room and we break stories, which means we try to figure out what's going to happen in each episode, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 a fun process. It's you get to you know create a, a backstory for a, a, a person that doesn't exist, and then right. all of a sudden they do. It's, it's pretty magical. That's awesome. And so I know this about you, but I do want you to tell our listeners, how much reading do you do 
to create television? Like how much reading are you doing to find stories or to create worlds or find if it's based on something true, you know, find, if it's a medical drama, find actual medical instances where these things have happened or something along those lines? I'm constantly mining <laughs> for story, reading newspapers, articles, clippings, books, listening to the world around me. Um, if you're working in broadcast television, it's it can be up to 23 episodes a year. Wait, can you tell people what broadcast television is? So broadcast is like your your big your big network television shows: okay. NBC, ABC, CBS, and then there's also you know cable, which are you know HBO, Showtime, FX, and those are have smaller orders, you know, 13 episodes. Um, but still, you're you're constantly trying to. F- you know, find new stories, new ways into story. And my way in is always uh, what's happening, what's being printed, what's being talked about. It was always having my ears perked up and, and listening to the world around me. And the best way to do that is to immerse yourself in books, newspapers, magazines, anything. I love it. Um, when you're writing for a show or you're working and creating a show, because I don't think a lot of people know this, but writers constantly write pilots, mm-hmm. which are intro episodes, the first episode of a show that they use to pitch their writing and their story. Mm-hmm. And those pilots often don't get made or don't get picked up, but you're constantly writing them, right? Yes, absolutely. You have to always, or you don't have to, some people sort of survive <laughs> <laughs> working off one old right. you know, pilot sample for years. But uh, your your tastes change as, as sure. just in general. And so the only way to let the world know how you see the world is to create something new. And I try to do at least one new sample a year, right. sometimes two. Right. Um, but it, it takes time to sort of build out a whole a whole world. And so uh, it, it's important to, to do that. Got it. And how much of your reading would you say is for pleasure? So like you're reading something that you just want to read and then you find a story that you're interested in versus picking up a book because you think, oh, this might make a good story for television. I'm a very goal-oriented person. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. So it's very – it's – it, it's become challenging for me to read for pleasure because okay. it's all, I always have a, a right. motive behind okay. it. So I I kind of don't, but don't? I okay. but I, I ple- my work is pleasure. So right. I it's, it's you enjoy it's, reading, yeah. But you always kind of have one eye open. Like, could I make this person in our own television show? Yes. Like, could the mother in this book maybe just have a whole other life outside of here? Can I option this book? <laughs> Can I adapt this book? Who wrote this again? No, yeah. that's amazing. Okay. Okay, so you're mostly, it's both pleasurable because you enjoy reading, but also with an eye open to doing something maybe more with it in the visual medium. Yes. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, So this is something I've always wondered about television writers. When I watch a TV show, I'm like, what's going to happen next? Oh my God, I'm so excited. What's the twist? Can you watch a TV show and know where it's going? Yes. Almost always. Usually. Usually. I mean, it, it does, you know, sort of like watching the, watch, you know, being in the kitchen, because I know how to make the sausage. Right, of course. And so it's fun to sort of guess, see if you guess and see if you're right. Right. Um, but I also love when I'm wrong. <laughs> and it's so rare to have that happen, you know, to, to ride the journey that 
that these creators are taking you on, whether it's a film or TV show. That that that's really exciting. And when they do that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not imagine they were gonna do that. Is oh there gosh. any show that you could think of where you're like, they all I always guess wrong? Well, Lost was is a good example. Okay. Lost kept you guessing. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the, the the ride that they took us on, and they listened to a lot of social media to sort of create that. I believe, sure. I, I've, I've heard. Okay, I wasn't okay. in the writers' room, so I, sh- I shouldn't really speak for okay. anybody. So, um, but I will say, uh, call me by your name. A feature really oh. that the, the last five minutes writing that journey. Like if, if an actor can do that, sure. Like writing sometimes can be predictable, right? Um, but. It's also, I think, an actor's job to sort of take you on, on another journey. So, right, to keep it fresh. Yeah. Because you also are an actor. Yes, exactly. Yes. Some people, listen, if you want to know what Chris Maddox looks like, I'm not going to tell you where you can find him, but I am going to tell you that he played a hairdresser on Scandal <laughs> in a very important scene between <laughs> Olivia Pope and Annalise Keating on the crossover episode. And he's there, and he was asked to leave the room, and it was a gorgeous scene. So I'm just saying. <laughs> but yeah, so you're also an actor. Yes. So you appreciate not only how, you know, the writing process, but also how to turn that into something exciting and interesting. And that is the amazing thing about television and film, because it's what has to happen is my vision as a writer has to be articulated on the page. Then that has to be what what my vision of that world then has to be on the page. And then you have to sort of see that, right? But then what happens when you give those pages to an actor, he then uses his own story, his own backstory, his own vision of Mm -hmm. this character. And then that is then reflected on the screen. And so it's through all of these lenses, (laughs) it it, it changes from me to to you to the actor. So it's 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 an interesting process. Okay, here's the real question. When you read a book... That, or an article or whatever, when you read something and you're imagining turning it into a show or turning it into an episode or incorporating it in an episode or something, when have you ever visualized what that would look like and then actually seen the episode and been like, that's exactly what I thought it was going to be? Like it worked. Or that is so much better than I thought. I can't even believe that this little idea turned into this amazing thing. Like has that ever happened? For me personally? Sure. Well, the last show that I was working on, um, yes. I mean, it's sort of an important part of the process because in TV writing, we are the producers. And so we were able to articulate and to – we have like what's called tone. And so you talk with the the director and um, everyone on staff and and production to really make sure that they – sort of see the world that I'm trying to create on the page and they, and then they produce that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so usually it is kind of what you, what you sort what of you want. want it to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so when you're reading, then you're visualizing also, if you're, if you're have your eye on doing the work, you're yes. not just reading your, your visual. I mean, it's a, it's a visual medium. I mean, and so right. I have to visualize it and then write that visual down very, very clearly. And are you even like when you're reading something, are you even thinking to yourself, wow, Carrie Washington would be amazing in this? Or are you a little bit less specific about who you envision in the roles? Carrie Washington is great in everything. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> Listen, where's the lie? Carrie Washington is great. But I mean, like, are you getting so specific that you're like, okay, I need Patricia Arquette, like this, or, you know, I don't know, whoever, Oprah, or maybe not Oprah, maybe someone, <laughs> maybe someone less well-known, but like that you're like, oh, that girl I saw in that episode of Grey's Anatomy, 
she would like that's who I see yes. in this. You are that specific. Yeah, you, you, as you're reading, it kind of pops up in your head. Mm-hmm. This actress or actor, they, they, this is them, and that helps you know push the needle towards actually making a project happen. Right. Um, but also sometimes you don't want someone who's a star name. Right. You want someone who is unknown and a fresh take on sure. a new idea. Sure. And that's equally valuable. But in right. today's market. You kind of need someone to help right. make it get made. Right. Okay. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about how you like to read or what you like to read. So my first and most favorite question always are what are two books that you love? Okay. <laughs> I love that question, first of all. Um, I know. It's just so nice to luxuriate in like the most delicious books of your life because I feel like a good book. Like when you talk about it, you feel things. And so I just, I love that question because I just feel like it's like the warmest hug to start with. It is. It is. Um, Well, this book I read in my journeys in New York when I lived there on the train, on the subway, going back and forth to work, Anna Karenina. Mm. And oh, that book just takes me to the world. Um, And really both books are from Russian authors um, in Crime and Punishment. Whoa. So there's a question coming up later that's what, what a, a book you're proud to have read. Mm-hmm. In the last two weeks, Sarah and Dallas, those were their two books, Anna really? Karenina and Crime and Punishment. Those are the two books they were proud to have read. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're These beasts. books are apparently the, the books of the show, I yeah. guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, I love that my my loves are their, yeah. their, their pride their and pride. joy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which so is nice. also not. <laughs> sure. Okay, tell us why you like those books so much. They took me on a journey, a world, a, a, a love, you know, one is a love story, you mm-hmm. know, unrequited love, which I love. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Crime and Punishment, just the, the torture of, uh, of, of, of murder and, and then what happens to a person uh, having done something that was bad. Right. And it's, it's really, really, they're both psychological uh, uh, journeys of both of these mm-hmm. different people mm-hmm. so I, I really, really there's really, there's a lot there yeah they never end they never end they're with me you know <laughs> that's the you. great thing about books they're these characters they stay with yeah, you they stay with you and have you read either of them more than once no do you ever reread <laughs> uh there's one book that i have reread a number of times what book is that giovanni's room <laughs> You guys, that's what we're discussing next week. So May 9th, Giovanni's Room. This isn't, this wasn't supposed to be a plug, but we are discussing it next week. So just get reading. Um, Okay. What's one book you hate? Tracy, come on now. (laughs) Why do people have such a hard time with this? I feel like I could list a hundred books that I hate. Well, the thing is, is A, that I'm a writer and I I know what an arduous process it can be. Sure. And I think anyone who's putting pen to paper and going through that process, they deserve, a, you know, I, I, you can't a, say a huge bow. Got it. I can't. And Got it. it's just, it's not, it's not appealing to me. Sure. That's fair. Um, but they should be applauded. That's fair. I agree. I think writing is one of the hardest things you can do. And when I hate a book, it's that I hate the book, but I often will recommend books to people that I didn't like because mm. I'm like this, just because I didn't like it doesn't mean that this book doesn't have a place 
in someone else's life or in someone else's heart. Like I'm very rare to recommend fiction because I don't really love fiction, mm -hmm. but I've read fiction that I've been, I've thought, oh my gosh, like my mom would really like this book. Mm -hmm. And I personally was like, this book is garbage. Like I did not like it, but that's just, you know, reading is so personal. It's and I so think personal. that's what makes it so special. So, you know, I understand what you're saying. Like there's a respect level that goes to anybody who writes a book. And I totally agree. Um, and I respect you for not hating on anybody, but I'm a hater. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's like a, I never want to see a film. I never want to say, oh, I hated that film, you know, right. before someone else has their own personal has opinion. response. And also, like, you know, just because something doesn't click with you doesn't mean that there's not value in it. Right. Even even a Gigli, which mm -hmm. many people hate. I have friends who love Gigli. It's just there's something about camp, you know, <laughs> glitter. Another glitter. great film that people love. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought we'd talk about glitter on the podcast, but I've done it. There it is. Um, okay, so what's the last great book you've read? It was turning the mind into an ally. What's that about? It's about. Well, the, my one big takeaway is I learned that my thoughts are not who I am. Oh, that sounds very crucial to learn. Yes. Yeah. It was a it was mind opening. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay. Okay. So I recommend it to everyone who's looking to detach themselves from thought, um, just walking in the world. It, it's it's a really it's a it's it's a it's a good it's a good read and yeah. not and not too long okay but very powerful okay and oh by the way before we get too far every single book that we mentioned today and every article we talk about will be in the show notes and on the website so you don't have to write it down i know some of you are driving in your car please do not be on your phones i will leave it in the show notes you can click it it will take you where you need to go to find the book so drive safely my friends um, I got messages from people being like, I tried to write everything down, but I was in the car. And I'm like, oh, my God, don't do it. It's in the show notes. It's right there. Please drive don't safely. Drive. Get to your destination. Please, please. Um, okay, what are you reading right now? Right now I'm reading my grandmother, MJ Sims Maddox, has written a trilogy. Ooh. And I'm in the second of the three uh, called um, Mystery in Harare. Ooh. And so that, yeah, that's what I'm currently reading. What are the, what are the, what's her trilogy about? It's, uh, it, it follows the protagonist. Her name is PG. I'm sorry. Apologies. MJ. <laughs> Grandma, please don't come on. <laughs> her name is PJ. Okay. And, uh, it follows her. She's a, she's sort of like a, an Olivia Pope. Ooh. Um, Carrie Washington, if you're listening, yeah. we've got a role for you coming up. Exactly. <laughs> Amazing. And so she's like a fixer. She, she's more of a, she's a political science Okay. professor, uh, activist. She works in Washington. She travels around the world. Um, operative. She's a badass. Love I it. I can say badass. On you can. You can say badass. Okay. It's a podcast. Um, okay. What's, a, what's besides the third book, what's a book that you're looking forward to reading? Okay. I was at a friend's house last week and he was reading Ship of Theseus by J.J. Abrams. Oh, and that's the television that's breaking bad that is it, that, no who not. am i thinking of you're thinking of um i don't know oh gosh you, i'll google it me. you keep talking i'll google it um so ship of theseus is a is a is a new book that's i think recently out and 
it's it's really thick and you look in the margins and uh and there are all these little notes in the margins and so you you're supposed to read the book five times and there's different like a pathway through 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 each of the the reads okay so you read the the novel first and then you read like the the notes in red next and the notes in blue next and there are all these different pieces of paper inside so it's like this you know choose your own adventure kind of a a mystery. I, I don't. I've not read it, but I'm okay. really excited about it. That sounds really cool. It's, it's a great idea. Um, I love that. Okay, yeah. so this is the showrunner. Turvy alert. The showrunner for Breaking Bad is Vince Gilligan. Vince Gilligan. Yes. How did I get J.J. Abrams from that? Because J.J. has his hands in everything. I guess so why sure. not think that sure. he's written everything? You, you can have credit for it, J.J. Don't worry. <laughs> um, okay, what's a book that's on your nightstand, or a few books, or whatever? What's on your nightstand? On my nightstand, um, a friend gifted me this for my birthday in December, and it's the early stories of Truman Capote. Ooh. Um, so many of his earlier works, his short stories, and they're they're just they're they're fabulous. I think the short story is a great unmined um, wealth of of luxury. It's mm-hmm. just you just sit down five, six, seven, ten, or pages or longer. Sometimes yeah. a short story can be you know. 20, 30 pages. Sure. Um, but it's great. That's probably a really good place for you to find yes. material, yes. right? Because a lot of people don't read short stories. No, no, they don't. And I think like a novel is to television adaptation as uh, a short story is to film. Sure. Because short stories are close-ended, mm-hmm. um, like a film. Mm-hmm. Um, a, no- a novel are chapters, like like a TV show. Sure. That so. makes a lot of sense, actually. I've never really thought about it that way, but it does make a lot of sense. Um, what's a book that you love to recommend to people? Oh, I love this question so much. I do, too. One of my sort of secret pleasures is this book called um, I Know This Much Is True okay. by Wally Lamb. Okay. And, I know that book. Oh, God. It has like the girl's face on the cover and it's like water and sky or something, right? Is that? I don't know. I, that's a Wally Lamb book. I'm sure everybody is listening to this in their car screaming the titles of whatever. Like They're like, Vince Gilligan, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know this much is true. Wally Lamb has a book with a girl on the cover, right? Well, it, it, this this book is a, is a female protagonist. Um, and she's, a, I, think, I believe, it's been several years since I've read this, but... Um, she's a, a larger woman, so maybe that's her face on the cover. I don't no, know. No, it's a different book. It's she's come undone. I'm an asshole. Oh, she's come undone. That's also Wally Lamb. Also Lam, really though, good. And it's that cover. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's really good too. Is it? I've never read it. My mom used to have it. Oh, I used to always look at the cover. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Am I mixing those? Maybe I'm mixing those two up. She's come. I've read both of them. Okay. Well, well you like both, but I you like recommend both. one. Yes. And the other one, you're you think you're telling like, oh my god, didn't you love that part? And they're like, I don't remember that because <laughs> you picked the wrong book i know exactly um okay so you recommend i know this much is true mm-hmm. but also you would also recommend she's come undone possibly 100 percent. okay so that's uh, that's a twofer it's a twofer while i am while i am getting up. a twofer okay what's a book what's the last like really good book that someone has recommended to you um, I was out to lunch with um, one of my favorite authors last week, Andre DeBoos, um, and he said, stop what you're doing right now <laughs> and read Elizabeth Strout. She's an American novelist, really great at her descriptive characterizations, 
Um, and he's doing, he's publishing his new, a new book coming out soon and also an, an anthology. Um, and I think she may be in it potentially, maybe not, but um, anyway, he highly recommends her and um, I cannot wait to dive into her, her was, work. What was the name of the book or just anything by just her? Just anything by okay, her. Okay, I see. Yeah. Okay. I did recommend something very specifically, but um, it's not land of me right now. But, That's fine. Yeah. We'll look it up. Um, okay. And what's like a book or if you have, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but is there any book that was gifted to you that was really great or has like a special place in your heart? Yeah. I. Um, this It's a great idea for a book and I'm sort of jealous that she made it happen before <laughs> I did. Um, but my family, like many African-American families in the United States, uh, were a product of the Great Migration. Mm-hmm. And so the warmth of other suns was gifted to me. And, I just got chills. Yeah. It's one of my favorites. Such a, and uh, well done, kudos to her. And uh, it's such a, it's a beautiful, you know, A, it, I, the gift was perfect for me. Mm-hmm. And then also sort of reflected my own sort of backstory and my mm-hmm. family's backstory was really sort of landed hard. Where were your people from and where did they migrate to? Uh, Georgia. Okay. And uh, migrated up to Ohio. Okay. I was Louisiana, and we migrated to Oakland, California. Oh, yeah. yes. That's Which a... is very common in yes. the book. She actually, one of the main characters, yeah. does that. He goes from Louisiana to Oakland and back down to L.A., and yeah. here I am in L.A. And so I guess I'm kind of following a predetermined destiny, mm-hmm. I guess, for my people. But yes. I read that book. I loved it so much. I actually had a trip planned to New Orleans, and I ended up renting a car and driving to Baton Rouge, which is where my father's from, to go see the house that he was born in. And unfortunately, the house had been destroyed by the time I got there. But it was still amazing. to Like, I just, the book was so powerful. And talking about the journeys that African-American families go on leaving the South and all of that, that I just, like, it was so compelling. I mean, it won the Pulitzer. So, like, it's not not a surprise that it's a good book. It's one of the best books that's been written that I've read in a long, long time. I think it won in 2010. Um, Elizabeth Wilkerson wrote the book. No, Isabel Wilkerson wrote the book. Um, and it's, I highly recommend it. I specifically recommend it to black folks if you haven't read it. White folks, you can read it. Asian folks, you can read it. But it did something to me emotionally that I don't know. I don't know if other people will feel it in the same way. I'll give you like a, an example of yeah. what it could do. I went on a trip with my grandparents to Africa. We went to uh, South Africa. Ghana and um, one more country that's not coming to my brain uh, and when we landed in Ghana he immediately fell to his knees and kissed the ground mm. and I didn't quite understand it but having read this book mm-hmm. and what you're saying about going to your homestead in, in, mm-hmm. in New Orleans it's something that if you've been taken taken away from where you're from mm-hmm. and returning, whether this is the reality, if mm-hmm. it actually, if this mm-hmm. is if you're from Ghana or somewhere right. else, but somehow psychologically, emotionally, you feel like you've landed home. Yeah, and to have that reference in a book mm-hmm. it validates mm-hmm. you, me, us, right. and a big book, and a serious book, and a well received book, and an awarded like there is something about that book having one awards that validates that experience even more not that i need the pulitzers to tell me that that was a good book but like 
Yeah. Yeah. This is a serious book. Yeah. And she interviewed like, it was like something like 1200 people. And I mean, it's, I'm grateful that the book also happened because so many of the people who experienced the great migration have passed on. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's important that she had those firsthand interviews and firsthand accounts of that experience because I, I can't believe it didn't exist before. Exactly. Because it, so many black people experienced it yeah. and just never, you know, were able to write it down or got around to writing it down or had the time or the money or the resources. And and it was the uh, silent move, you know, yeah. slowly trickling up north. Yeah. And it's really, it's the precursor to, you know, our state today. Right. right. The black communities. Um, right. So. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good book. Who gifted it to you? Um, My, I went to boarding school. Okay. And I uh, had a host family, and uh-huh. my host father did for uh-huh. Christmas one year. Oh, my God. What a great gift. Thank you, host father. Yeah, Thomas Howley. <laughs> yes, Thomas. Shout out. Um, okay. This is like, listen, I, I don't even know how you follow that up. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsor, and then we're going to come back. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 
Maddox, let's come back to the, let's come back to it. Um, let's see. Do you set any reading goals? Well, because I love you, Tracy. <laughs> I like just following your footsteps. And so Thank my you. reading goal last year was 12 books a year. Okay. Um, I failed. Right. <laughs> I love failure. Failure is my favorite. Right. And I, because I read so much for work sure. that it's hard for me to read for pleasure. Sure. And so. So you didn't include any books you read for work in your 12 books? Well, I did, but. Oh. <laughs> okay. You were also reading other things. Yeah. I see, I see. So it, it, you know, but I also read scripts and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I so anyway, so I didn't, I lost, but I did read six. Okay. So I was very proud about that. That's good. It's a goal. Yeah. Goals are goals. They're not actually things. I, I just wish I could, you know, unwind with the book and, and, and just not attach work to it. Right. Um, right. So maybe you should read books that are like different than what you think could be work related. Do you know what I mean? Like read something that's like a totally different genre. Yeah. And then you're probably going to come across like the greatest book ever and be like, this should be a movie. Right. That's a, that's a really great idea. I mean, even when I was younger, I, elementary school, this is, this is coming to me. Like I, I wanted, I was reader of the month. Mm. So it was like, a, like every month I would read the most and <laughs> I was like, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And I represented my school in this all city competition. Um, that's so like I the think it's... nerdiest thing I've ever heard, and I'm obsessed, and I wish my school had that. <laughs> like, I'm actually jealous right now that I was never reader of the month. That's amazing. So you'll get there. I'll get there. The process. Um, are there any genres that you really love or really like avoid? Well, the genre, well, that I love, I guess, is well something that's just really easy for me is like a mystery thriller. Oh. Dan Brown, for example. Okay, like, like I can, I can Angels and Demons. Is that who that is? In yeah, Da Vinci Code. Exactly. Okay, I read Angels it. and Demons. It's just like it. It every the end of every chapter leads into the next one. Like it propels you. Okay, it's like, like a good TV show. It's like a TV show. Yeah. So I uh, yeah, it's it's an easy, good, juicy ride. Okay. Okay, I like that. And is there any genre that you're not that into, or that you have a hard time like getting through? It's anything too techy. Okay, like like. Maybe sci-fi, I guess. Sure. I don't know. Like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. yeah, I'm not super into like technical things. But I would work on a sci-fi show. <laughs> if you're listening. Can you make Kindred into a television show? I think it's being adapted into a film, I okay. believe. I just, it needs to be on the screen somewhere. It's yeah. like totally a movie or a TV show. I was trying show. to get the rights earlier this year. but um, Oh, it's already, it's they already, already got yeah. gotten? It's Dang. It got gotten. Okay. Um, how do you read? Do you use ebook, hard copy, audiobook? I'm an old school person. Uh, I need to feel the pages in mm-hmm, my hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I need a hard copy. I have read my books on my iPad. Okay. Um, but, you know, or, and, and I've listened to books too, but I think it's dangerous. Sorry, Audible. <laughs> no, um, don't be sorry. Why can, is it dangerous? Well, because I I'm, I like to imagine uh-huh. when I'm reading uh-huh. uh and if I'm imagining while I'm driving and listening, oh, I would like hit things. Um, so I think you know that that's the great beauty of reading is that you're able you're able to look at the words but also imagine simultaneously. Um, so I would think I would lose that. That's so funny. Do you know so many people I know? They specifically like to listen to books when they're driving. Like in the car, they'll put on a book and like listen to a chat. Like if they're in traffic, especially here in LA. Mm. So for those people, Audible. Trial slash the stacks free thirty day trial free audiobook got it in um okay where do you read or like what's your ideal reading setup 
my ideal reading setup is, you know, on the sofa mm -hmm. or on the floor with my feet on the sofa. Oh, a little lower back release. A little lower back. Perfect. I like that. That's unique. Um, are there any books that you feel proud that you've read? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. Little cough. It's okay. <laughs> uh, this book by Barry Schwartz called Paradox of Choice. Okay. And I... You know, you, you sort of, it made me learn that, you know, I, choice is, is a good thing, okay. an option. Okay. But what I learned is that we have so much choice in the world mm -hmm. that it actually stifles us. It makes mm. us not able to make a choice. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, when I'm at a, 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 a restaurant for dinner mm -hmm. and there are 50,000 mm. options, mm -hmm. what am I going to eat? What do you eat? Like, what do you am, want a grilled cheese or do you want a salad or do you want an omelet? Right. It's too much. Well, three, I could do. I can. Okay, great. Those three right. choices. But when it's 20, 30, I'm like, right. oh, Like a diner all, is yeah, too much. Yeah, it's too much. Give, yeah. me, give, me, give me three, five choices. Yeah. Don't give me 20. I, I feel that. That's so interesting. What The book's called The Paradox of Choice. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, what about a book that you're embarrassed to have read? Well... It's also the book that I recommend. <laughs> Wally Lamb? Wally Lamb. Wally Lamb is the most famous person on this podcast right now. Like, Wally Lamb is getting all of the shine. Right. I love him. But it's also like this, it's like a little, I feel, for me, it feels like a girly book. But Okay, um, I see. I'm okay with being a girl, you know, reading girly books, but it's not really girly book, Wally Lamb. But, but you loved it. But I and you think other people would love it. Yes. And you're still embarrassed. And I'm still embarrassed. That's so funny. I, I think that's what I'm learning is that people are often embarrassed about books that they read that they loved. Mm. I think, I don't know, I guess we all think that we should be reading certain things. Right. And that if they're not what we think our image of our reading life is, that yeah. it's like shameful. But Sarah last week, she is an ethnic studies um, PhD, and she she focuses a lot on um, the Native American community and, and the indigenous community is also on slavery. And so she, her book was, um, I always say the wrong one. I said Anne of Green Gables, but it's the other Little House on the Prairie. Oh, wow. But because she loved it growing up. And now mm. after doing all this work with indigenous communities and like, what is that book actually talking about and what does it mean? And, you know, my response was like, I love Gone with the Wind, but that doesn't fit like with who I am or who I think that I should be. And I think that it's interesting that you've also picked a book that you really enjoy, mm -hmm. but doesn't fit with what you think about yourself. But those two examples that you've given, I think you can now read that book with new eyes sure you know but i mean? still love it like yeah. i still love gone with the wind and i know it's racist and i know everybody like i know it means that i'm like not as woke as i want to be right but i don't care yeah i still don't think but i am a little away. embarrassed about it like mm -hmm. i don't often recommend it to people because i don't want people to think i think that it's okay that scarlet has a mammy like i don't <laughs> want people to think it's okay that she slaps kizzy in the, or not kizzy um What's her name? Kizzy is in Roots. What's her name? Oh, my God. The oh my girl gosh. is like, I don't know nothing about birthing no babies. Her. <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. Exactly. Anyways, but it's interesting because it said what books you're, like, embarrassed about say something about. They represent you. Yeah. It's part way. of you. Yeah. Same thing about, like, the book that you hate or choose not to admit that you didn't like. 
but those say something about you just as much as crime and punishment. Mm. And that's why I love reading because like you can really create a whole human out of just like the stuff that they read. Like yes. you could pick 10 books and put them in a stack and be like, this represents me. And one of yours would be Wally Lamb, mm-hmm. something by Wally Lamb. Mm-hmm. I right. when, I, when, I, when I'm not, no longer on this earth and you open up my, my library, yeah. you'll say, wow, we liked all of these books. And what's that down there? Yeah. <laughs> what's I'm that? like, hmm, mm-hmm. that doesn't, so she's reading all these books about, you know, right. Black Lives Matter and there's Gone with the Wind. And it looks very well worn as well. I'm very confused. What a complicated, complex woman. Yeah. Well, that's what we are. We yeah. are a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. You can find joy in something that maybe mm-hmm. intellectually you think that you shouldn't. Yes. Joy. Joy is my favorite. Um, okay. <laughs> okay. Back to it. What's a book that you're embarrassed that you've not yet read? Hmm. That's a hard one. I there was a book last year that I really wanted to read before everyone was reading it, mm-hmm. which was um, Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, sure. And now I feel like I would be reading it because everyone has read it, right? Uh, so I'm kind of yeah. So you're kind of taking a moral stance on it. Yeah, I'm like I'm not gonna read that because I don't want to be like yeah. you know. I have a moral stance on that book too. Mm-hmm. I refused to read it in 2017 because everybody was like saying that's how you understand a Trump voter, and I was like, you know what, I don't. This, no, yeah. no, thank you. Yeah. Um, and then I just never really wanted to read it again. Mm-hmm. But I understand that. Yeah, it was so, everybody was so up on that book last year. Yeah, and I knew about it before. Before, it was, yeah. And I, did, I didn't, and so. Now you're like, that ship has sailed. I yeah. feel that. Um, what about a book that you love from your childhood? When I, uh, when I went to boarding school, and I don't know if this is a real memory or okay. if I made it up <laughs> in my head, but. I remember when I first landed at my host parents' home, they had a, a stack of stack mm. of books on my nightstand. Mm-hmm. And one of the books was Invisible Man. Oh. And so the transition from moving from Ohio to Massachusetts, Invisible Man sort of represents mm. that for me. So that reminds me of that, that time. Time in your life. I like that. Well, this kind of follows up. Is there a book you can think of where you saw yourself reflected back? Yes. It was, I think reflection is so important mm-hmm. in literature, in television, mm-hmm. in, in, in film, uh, in everything. Mm-hmm. Politicians. And for sure. me, um, it was Dreams from My Father mm. by President Obama. That book is really a special book. Mm-hmm. It's almost overshadowed by how far he ascended from that point. Mm-hmm. But if he had never become president, if he'd never had any political anything, he could have been an author based just on that book alone. It's Seriously. so amazing. <laughs> so amazing. Um, I'm glad he had political aspirations and continued forward. But, you know, when that, I think that book came out in the 90s yeah. and, and it I didn't read it until he was running for president, but I remember reading it and being like, actually, I listened to it on a long car drive, but I remember, and he narrated it. And I remember being like, yo, this is a special life. Mm. Like this is an interesting and special life. Not everybody has so much to say. Mm-hmm. And he really, it's just so good. Ugh, you're, I just, I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving this choice. Um, are there any books um, that maybe influenced your professional career or kind of, you know, where you are now? Yes. When I, I first started writing, when I was acting at the Shakespeare Company, and 
a friend of mine always told me to write what you know. Mm. And during that time period, uh, I read for the first time Giovanni's Room. Mm. And I was floored, just mm. floored. And, uh, and, it, and it touched me deeply. And it, and it really unknowingly began my journey as a writer. Hmm. Um, I love it. And we're going to get to talk a lot about that next week. But that's very interesting. It's very interesting. Um, do you have any favorite authors? I do. Uh, my favorite author is Andre de Boos, okay. um, who, who was, I was fortunate enough to have him as a professor in college. Oh. And Where did you go to college? Uh, Tufts. Oh, okay. In Boston. And I had him, uh, he was my professor for a couple of semesters. He was my thesis advisor. And, and subsequently my mentor. Mm-hmm. And has become my friend. I'm you mm. know, close with him, his, his, his whole entire family, his wife, his children. And, uh, you know, he's always been extremely supportive of me when I went to grad school in New York and, and all, you know, all of these through all of these years. So mm. um, his, any, anything by him is, you know, Blues Man, House of Sand and Fog, which was adapted. I think many of them will, <laughs> mm-hmm. either, either they have been adapted into film or will be soon. Uh, Dirty Love, uh, Townie, which I think is currently being um, adapted. Uh, but he's just a phenomenal author. He writes women well, men well, um, diff- always different perspectives uh, within within each novel. Um, and like I said earlier, uh, he's coming up with this amazing anthology soon. Mm, um, I'm excited. I've so, never read any of his stuff. I have to check it out. Yeah. Um, okay, my favorite question, which I have lovingly borrowed from the New York Times by the book, if you could require the president of the United States, the current one, to read one book, what would it be? Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, girl. Always gets a reaction. Yes. I know. I, and this is sort of a stretch because it's not one book, but okay. I would I would suggest um, The Ten Plays by August Wilson. Ooh, that cycle. The cycle. Mm, yeah. You know, Juicy. Sort of, right? It gives a whole mm-hmm. history of, Black in a theatrical folk. way, mm-hmm. black folk. Yeah, sure, sure. Listen, if you want to just read nine and watch the Fences movie, that's <laughs> fine too. Like, we'll let you off the hook. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I started this thing on Instagram. It's called Diversify Books. Um, it's a place for people to post books that they love and to bring a little diversity into the book world on Instagram. Um, so I'm going to ask you the questions verbally. So you won't be able to post a picture of your books. If you want to, you can. But just for now, we'll just talk about it. Um so the first question is, what's a book you love from before you were on social media? The Bible. Oh, by Jesus Christ, that one? <laughs> Amen, girl. Or by Peter, Paul, and Mary, who is it? I don't know. Who even writes the Bible? Is there an edition you love, King James? You know, go ahead, King James. I like that. Uh, yeah. I was okay. gifted a Bible by my grandfather, who's a minister, uh, oh. when I was born, and I've Carried it with me all the, through these years. No one's ever said the Bible yet here. I like it. Okay, what's a book you love by a person from a different ethnicity than you? Night. Okay. By, by Eli Wiesel? Yes. Okay, got it. Wow. Um, you're going with heavy hitters today. <laughs> a book you're looking forward to reading by or about people of color? Well, during my lunch with Andre DeVos, uh, he sort of, said go home and read Elizabeth Stroud mm-hmm. as well as um, James Baldwin's Sonny's Blues. Mm. So I've not read either either of them. So, so you're going to do that. Yeah. Okay. 
a book you love that you rarely hear people talk about? It's a little small book. Uh, not a small book. It's a, it's a, it's a big book, but mm-hmm. small in, in its size. Okay. Um, called House on Mangle Street by Sandra Sinrose. Yes, I've heard of that. Yes. Yeah, I want to read that. It's really, really okay. Good, okay, yeah. that's so good to hear. Um, okay, a book you loved from a genre that you don't normally read, and then the genre that it comes from. Hmm, that's a good question. I I don't know the genre, but it's called predictably irrational. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. You know, it's yeah. kind of like pop psychology. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I have it. Okay, I it. yeah, it's 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 makes you realize that the things that you how you how you think mm-hmm. isn't necessarily how you think right how you think that you think is not always how you right. think it's kind it's of like how you love visions. wally lamb but it's yeah. like not you yeah sure that book is really cool yeah. i forgot about that it's kind of like freakonomics exactly. or like malcolm gladwelly that kind of genre yeah. yeah yeah i love that okay amazing so we've come to the end of my questions for you i'm going to give you a chance right now is there anything else that you want to say about your reading life or about you you can also say no i'm done I think reading is fundamental mm-hmm. <laughs> I, and it, it's just to take the pause. Life is, is so busy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think even though it's what I do for, for, for a living, I think we get caught up with relaxing and, and decompressing with television. But I think our, the, the having a way into our imaginations aren't really being used to their fullest potential. And I think reading lends itself to that Mm, i love that that's so good thank you i'm gonna let you have the last word on that um well not really i'm gonna have the last word (laughs) (laughs) i'm bossy um no i'm just gonna tell everybody um we will be back next week maddox and i chris maddox and i he goes by his last name a lot so sorry chris or maddox um anyways we'll be back next week we're going to be discussing james baldwin's giovanni's room Um, If you've yet to read the book, you still have about a week to do it. It's not long. It's like 180 pages. It goes so fast. It's it's great. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. So I don't think I have to talk it up too much, but check it out. Um, I will link to that book as well. So if you need to get a copy, you can do that too. Um, And we will be back next week with Christopher Maddox, myself, and James Baldwin's Giovanni's Room. All right, y'all. Thank you. Oh, and thank you. Thank you. Okay, so that does it for us this week at The Stacks. Thank you all so much for listening. Please subscribe to The Stacks wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you do listen to us on iTunes, feel free to rate and review us. It goes a long way and we super appreciate it. Again, I want to say thank you to Chris Maddox for joining us this week. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright, and our theme music comes from Tagiragis. I am Tracy Thomas, and I created and produced this show. Thank you so much, and I'll see you all in the stacks.